welcome to the podcast, Addict in the Attic. I'm Dan and I'm here to chat to you about my life of addiction and my road to recovery. Thanks for joining me. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Addict in the Attic. Uh, just a couple of things tonight that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to start with, uh, well, last episode we talked about a bit of a betrayal on my part and how I was dealing with that. Uh, and also I was coming up to a 30-year reunion with my old private school buddies. I hadn't seen a lot of them for a long time. We'll start with the betrayal. For me, that was a really good lesson in the dealings with uh, alcoholism as well. All the uh, misadventures that you have and the times you have to pull yourself up and out of the gutter, basically, and uh, sort yourself out and, and, and apologize. So this happened in sobriety, of course. I, I shared a secret that I shouldn't have. And I think, you know, one thing that AA has taught me is to find steps of uh, owning up, fixing it up, and moving on. Uh, it's kind of how I like to live my life anyway, but I wasn't um, doing it. I thought I was. Yeah, with this betrayal, I, I did all I could, and now I feel, I feel free of it. So it kind of was a micro example of the 12 steps for me and it was in sobriety so i did it to a, a probably a better level than i've done things like that in the past i've done drunken apologies many times i actually spoke to a guy last night about i said to him i think i've apologized to you for hitting you in primary school a lot but it was a drunken apology it was just great to hear him sober say nah man you know that wasn't you weren't a problem there were other guys that were but you weren't so having that sober recognition I can move on from that now. I no longer harbour that. But as far as uh, the portrayal, if I can keep calling it that, it's a bit dramatic. But uh, I wrote a letter. I reached out to him and, and just said, look, I'm I'm here for you if, if you need. I think I'm in a good position to actually help him if he wants to be honest and open about what's going on. Uh, no response. So he's got the letter. I know he has. And, you know, I, that's fine. I don't expect, and I said as much in the letter. So it's not a big deal if you don't want to respond and get back to me because that's your decision and I, I really don't blame you at all. So, yeah, it was reaching out. I think that's the best I could uh, do. I also reached out to the guy who I told, who may have told other people. Well, he did, actually. He told me he did. He told, he told the parents. So it definitely got back that way. I'm not 100% sure that I haven't told someone else, so that grates on me a little bit. I can only deal with what I'm 100% sure about, and that's that I told someone and, and he told them and it got back full circle. What I did was I reached out straight away to this guy and said, look, we're going into the lion's den tonight of old school friends. It's quite possible that people will ask about what happened to him and you know his illness and his lifestyle choices and that sort of thing. And I said, let's, let's just say it was it was all bullshit our source who told us um was possibly misinformed so that's how we went into it i thought okay that's a good plan he agreed and it was really good reaching out to him because he's like i'm so sorry about uh passing it on but i was like you know it's on me mate i, I, I was the one that passed it on um initially don't worry it's, and again it was all from a place of caring you know that, that kind of made me feel that it wasn't a big betrayal as, as I thought. I might be making excuses here, but to me it was definitely from a place of care, not gossip. So it made it easier. So I wrote the letter, had a plan going forward, and, and it was got to this thing last night, this reunion, and no one was talking about it. One person asked me and said, where is he? An old friend of his. Again, someone who knew him before I did. So the two people I had 
dealings with kind of knew him early days and they were caring they were caring and they wanted to know where their old mate was because they knew i knew him really well and so they came to me asking but i just said yeah he's dropped off the radar and that was it there was certainly no feeling that it was out and about everyone was talking about it so i don't know i just think in life now for me it's important to do everything i can i mean i could ring him and really sort of push it but i don't think that's a healthy thing to do you know, he, he can reach out. I've given him my number and he knows my address and he knows I'm here to help. I kind of tried to bring up some of our good times in the past and mention that it was, you know, it was sad that our, our relationship just fizzed out. It was, a, it was a positive one. So it's in his, his court now for him to do what he wants. I'm going to do my best and damage control out here. If anyone asks, I'll deny everything really. I don't want to lie, so I won't. I don't really know much anyway, so... I'll just support him by not supporting any rumours or gossip. It's kind of nice because when I did the podcast about that, it was uh, last episode, I was really feeling it. And these steps I've taken, proactive, you know, actual actions have really helped me to process it and move on for myself and have a clear conscience. Yep, I definitely fucked up. I I own that. Uh, But now i've put in place as much that i can do to help and hopefully given him throwing him a lifeline to to sort of move forward and get out there and have a crack again and just embrace that and i think that's really important geez like you got one life just emerge from the the fog and just try to get up and give yourself another crack you're allowed to stuff up you're allowed to make mistakes you're allowed to try again and, and try to be brave and, and have another crack at life. Other people's feelings towards you and, and the shame and the guilt and the remorse, it's not fair to carry that. You've got to put that aside and say, you know what, I'm going to have a crack for me. I'm going to get one shot at this. So use whatever power you, you need to to help you and just step up and have a crack at regaining your life because it's well worth it well worth it and you just got to build those tools of resilience giving yourself a bit of a break yourself a bit of damn credit really hard on ourselves we feel so much shame embrace the the process of just making amends and you'd be surprised how forgiving people can be not everyone will be of course but you can't do anything about that. So I like the 12 steps in that regard. They have a good sort of uh, process of making amends and moving on, clearing the attic, if you like. I've certainly got a lot more clearing to do, and that was an unfortunate step back, but that's life, isn't it? Another piece of luggage in my attic that I had to deal with, and I dealt with it pretty quickly. I don't need any more build-up. I still was trying to work through the old stuff, and then some new stuff rocked up. But that's okay. So to the reunion, now that was interesting. Uh, I paid $60 for this 30-year reunion, all Scotch guys, uh, at private school, uh, white collar. We grew up in the 80s, 90s, drinking, a big part of the culture. A lot of drinkers there, a lot of heavy drinkers. So I got really quite nervous, and it was a 40-minute drive for me to get there. I was in a footy club, which is always you know, that's not a good start. As I said, my rugby club associated with getting hammered. Yeah, all I thought was, okay, I'm going to arrive a little bit late, I want to avoid that really awkward first hour where everyone's just not really knowing what to do and the beer that you're clutching is really your only salvation. So I did that. That was my first step. I got pretty nervous as I drove towards the event. I think it was a multitude of things. I hadn't seen a lot of these guys for 30 years. There's a lot of expectation and who have I, you know, who doesn't like me, who did like me. I wasn't a bad guy at school though. Should be all right. I don't think there's anyone that uh, hold massive grudges. But some guys I know that weren't there probably weren't there because, you know, they were pricks at school. No doubt about it. You know, that sort of stuff 
they're probably carrying with them. Would have been a good time for them to come there and apologise to a few people. They would choose just to bury that, I suppose. So there were lots of people not there, not all of them because they were bullies, of course. Yeah, so I rock in and a good mate was at the bar and he was getting a drink and asked if I wanted one. I said, oh, yeah, I'll just have a ginger beer. So I walked down into the main group and they all had beers and I had this big glass of ice and, and ginger beer. And a lot of people assumed I'd gone and just got something hard straight up, uh, which was quite humorous. It was really awkward anyway. Just suddenly you're in this throng of people, you know them all, you you're kind of trying to work through the crowd and say good day, and but I clutched to that ginger beer. It was pretty helpful, uh, so I'm glad I, I just got that. And luckily, they had non-alcoholic ginger beer. But you know, there were no soft drinks down in the actual area where we were. It was all just eskies full of ice and beer. You know, that's something the organisers should. If, if people are paying sixty dollars for alcohol, maybe you could stick a couple of cans of coke and or kombuchas or whatever it is, soft drink, ginger beer into the uh, ice. I think that would be a thoughtful thing that people could start to uh, consider. Because I had to pay for mine. My drinks I had to pay for. I think they had water in there, but you know, again, I don't want to drink water all night. So think about it, people. If you're organising an event, don't just cater for the uh, drinkers. Go for the non-drinkers as well. It was really awkward first sort of hour moving through the crowd. And again, though, as the night progressed, a couple of people were drunk quite early and obviously pre-drunk. There was a lot of people completely sober. I left at about, I went from, I guess, 5 o'clock to around about 11 and had a lot of good conversations. Some people asked about drinking, but everyone I mentioned to were really good about it. Some were a little bit confused but i didn't go into too much detail but you just basically said i'd had enough drinking you know i'd done enough of that and you know it's time for something different everyone accepted that 100 percent. yeah it was there was no pressure to drink at all a lot of people asked for wanted a drink and that sort of thing but there was a lot of people not drinking a hell of a lot a lot of people were switching between uh beer and water some people were going on to harder stuff like wine and scotch from the beers it wasn't one of those huge things that seemed like it was going to kick on so even around 11 there weren't people getting messy and and that just made me think well you probably would have been so me i would have been hammering it hard and getting pretty messy and, and i would have been finding someone who was keen to kick on and keep on drinking on so it was interesting again it just showed me that people don't drink like i used to except alcoholics and uh there probably a couple of them there yeah i had all these uh preconceptions and was prepared just to bail if i had to and it got too annoying but it didn't and it was challenging an event as you could probably organize wasn't a lot of distractions other than conversation and, and drinking so the conversations were good it was a pleasing night where i didn't have to run away or hide in a corner i did a ghosty like a lot of people have already done a ghosty bathroom and never came back sort of deal uh well before i did so i wasn't the first to leave and yeah when i thought it was my time to head off mostly because i was kind of tired but so were others i just jumped in the car and beautifully was able to drive off home saw a bloke out the front old friend said g'day as he was waiting for his uber and just yeah this morning woke up fresh and clear thinking of all the combos i had and not having to go oh geez did i uh hmm, what did i do because uh, I think I would have been like a standout in that crowd. I've all matured, but I, my drinking would have been quite confronting, I think. I would have got quite drunk and possibly done, you know, 
some foolish things and, and look, just looking at where the crowd were when I left approaching the end of the night it was uh would have been quite obvious so it just makes me think how many times was I obviously the drunkest in the room probably the answer to that is quite often I guess that leads to the question of you know what what sort of drinking are we talking about that is possibly an alcoholic and to me talking about the relationship with alcohol it's where it's a damaging one for me it was too many drink not enough time for drinking it wouldn't have wound up at 11 o'clock uh, with me getting an uber home like the guy out the front i would have been there till closing i would have tried to get a bottle of wine or something from the bar i would have tried to go back to someone's house there to drink on i would have gone out to a pub or club afterwards i would have stayed the night and come home today instead of last night and i would have been really hung over possibly i would have drunk on uh, the next day i would have made sure probably before i left on the saturday i would have made sure there was a bottle to come home to on the sunday or i would have stopped at the bottle shop on the way through possibly i would have done some things that i would not remember i would have drunk to blackout for sure on that saturday night i may have damaged some clothing possibly misplaced keys my intentions as true as they were would have changed so the alcohol relationship would have just made me do uh, negative things that caused me illness basically to be really sick and uh, let people down and do damage for me a trip like that i did a couple of years ago probably i'm a big fan of paul kelly's so i got a ticket to his concert just me my wife doesn't particularly like him so i got a ticket to uh, his concert in king's park i booked the king's park motel uh, it was summer so i drive up there you know fully intending to really enjoy the concert come home and prove to myself and my wife that I can be a responsible person who can go and do that on their own. My wife is obviously incredibly anxious about me doing it, but she thought, yep, okay. I know he loves Paul Kelly. He might just enjoy himself. But I get there, and it's a beautiful summer's day. There's a pool, the cricket's on, all things to me that are completely related with uh, heavy drinking and excuses for me just to get stuck right in. Obviously, the kids aren't there. My wife's not there. So I went to the bottle shop and bought, I bought a bottle of scotch and I think I bought two bottles of wine. I've, that's my magic amount that I mentioned before. And proceeded to drink probably a bottle of wine just watching the cricket, which I enjoyed doing. And then went by the pool, put some Paul Kelly on, took some more drinks down there. Then I went and got ready for the concert um, and had some scotch and I fixed up like a drink to take with me so you know the, the theme here is i never didn't have a drink so i had a drink as soon as i you know everything i did whether i was showering watching cricket by the pool uh, if there's a sign saying no glass around the pool i wouldn't particularly care i'd just i put it in the cup just take glass in didn't, that wouldn't stop me of course so by the time i got dressed and left i was pretty trashed and i had this strong scotch drink uh, mix in a coke bottle that i sort of bought and half filled it with scotch and topped it off with coke and proceeded to walk through king's park and i can't really remember that my one of my last memories is crossing king's park road and staggering into the bushland of king's park i remember falling around in the bush and getting frustrated and completely lost i've got a vague memory of uh, meeting up with some indian people who were having like a picnic and joined in playing cricket with them god knows how embarrassing that would have been that would have been really bad kids and stuff playing and then i ended up completely missing the concert i never went the ticket was in my pocket and i kind of knew i wouldn't get in but i never made it anyway i couldn't find the place 
just wandering around lost in the friggin' wilderness. But I managed to get back into the town and find a pub and drink on. Found these two randoms that I brought back to the motel and we drank on again. And I remember being a bit paranoid about them because I didn't know them. So I hid the car keys in this coffee cup up high in this um, kitchenette of the motel and the next morning woke up with a massive hangover and couldn't find anything including my car keys so I ended up having to ring my wife to come in all the way up like an hour 45 minute drive from our house with the spare keys luckily that we had for the car to drop the keys off and so I could follow her home wretched hungover probably still drunk actually I would have been over the limit the whole way no doubt about that. Uh, and probably actually snuck a drink before she got there. Take the edge off. You know what I mean? That's what I would have done. So I would have driven home drunk. A couple of days later, I get a phone call from the guy who found the keys in, in a coffee cup in the kitchen out. So I drive up and get those. And terrible. So that's the sort of shit my wife had to do to help me. I'd normally always try to fix my own, cover my own tracks and fix up my own mistakes without getting her involved. But sometimes it was impossible. I was stuck up in... Kings Park because I just couldn't remember a thing, complete blackout. So that's the kind of relationship, you know, that that could have happened last night, but last night, of course, was a completely different story, completely civil, how life's meant to be. Um, unfortunately, I'm meant to be able to have a few beers and enjoy it. Uh, no, that, that's what I was going to do at Paul Kelly. I don't know when I just decided to get a bottle of scotch and two bottles of wine. Normally, when I'm right there at the uh, bottle shop, my, my mind used to just go, no, no, we'll grab that and that and that. My poor, weak little mind used to go, well, hang on, but we were going to... No, shut up. I just got overpowered. My willpower got smashed by my alcoholic brain, mind, body, and soul. So now uh, that, that little voice is powerful, and the other one is... You know, they've swapped roles, basically. There's really not much of a voice to the old one that used to make me buy bottles of scotch. And that, that took a while, but yeah, it's just, it's quiet and it's a lot easier now. Now I've, I deal with other issues, but as I said, it's not all bell and whistles. There's always things cropping up that I need to improve myself and my relationships with others, regardless of alcohol. Yeah, last night was a success and I had plans in place to make it easier on myself. It's always worth having a crack if you think you can do it because it's empowering, no doubt. And we deserve the chance to get out there and be who we are, who we really are, without the alcohol. And we deserve support and the chance to redeem ourselves. And what a redemption it is when you can because, you know, the difference between my Paul Kelly night and last night, you know, that's it's like a roller coaster. Without the troughs, there's no peaks. With an email at addictintheattictonight at gmail.com for your thoughts, if you'd like to be on the show for an interview or anything else related to addiction. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're doing well, keeping healthy one day at a time. That's the Attic in the Attic signing off for tonight. Look forward to sharing again next episode. Bye for now.